Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I was working the night shift when it happened. I patrolled all the little sections in the park for wildlife disturbance and vandalism in the dark. That's what most people with bad intentions come out to do. It was really quiet one night when my radio went off, saying that there had been reports of screaming over by B campsite, right near the forest. When I arrived, it had stopped, but the people there were still shaken up, and they had reported this loud growling and guttural sounds coming out of the trees. 
Of course, when I got there, they were all standing around the fire, but nobody was talking or anything just before their screams, which had woken everybody up. People at Campsite B said they also saw somebody running across the road in front of them, only to disappear in the brush. This had occurred between Campsites A and C. They too stopped their car to investigate what was going on. It happened so quickly that nobody could really get a good look. People from Sida said something ran past them, too, and started screaming. They could not tell what it was, and none of these people knew each other, nor had they met before this trip. They were all just random folks spending a weekend at the park. So, I followed the path that whatever had run across to see if I could find any tracks or anything. It was nearly impossible. All the ground was so hard, and there were lots of people milling about. The campsite for B is near a bunch of dense woods within the park, so it wasn't too surprising something made its way over there. I checked out campsite since it was next and the closest to where the paths had crossed, but again nothing turned up. The whole experience felt really strange. Everybody seemed genuinely freaked out outside their tents, but they wouldn't talk much at all. They just kept staring into the black trees with their flashlights, looking for something, waiting for something to come out of the darkness. It was definitely eerie and extremely quiet. I kept my radio on me thinking we would hear something, but we never did. Although the time I was there, I did not hear anything out of the ordinary. That night, we went home a few hours before sunrise since most people were still awake. The next day, everybody at that campsite packed up pretty quickly leaving as fast as they could. I guess I had heard from the overnight ranger that this campsite saw something that terrorized their tent. I haven't really heard much about it since then, but apparently whatever they saw really spooked them. It's a darn shame. I hope whatever it is does not drive traffic away, and people do enjoy camping all year round, so hopefully whatever large animal this is goes away on its own. I'm hoping it's just maybe a moose or something, and that maybe these people just got spooked. It is the woods, after all, and people's nerves are a lot more on edge when they're out in the darkness or encountering things they don't quite understand. I was about two weeks into a solo three-week hike, crossing some low hills between one watershed and another. There was a little lake up in the hills, well off the beaten track, and I hadn't seen anyone for a couple of days. As I came down to the lake, I noticed a horse's saddle slung over the branch of a tree. Weird, because there were no horses or anyone at all around. It wasn't cracked, looked to be in good condition, but it seemed to have been abandoned. I walked along the shores of the lake for a while. As I rounded a bush, I came across the darndest sight, a dead horse on its back with all four legs sticking straight up into the air. If you've ever seen the movie Animal House, it was like the horse that died in the dean's office. It can't have been dead long as it hadn't started to decompose that I could see, even though it was hot summer weather. Presumably, the saddle had come from the horse. But why was it up in a tree, maybe half a kilometer away from the horse? And how had the horse died in such a weird position? And what had happened to the rider?
I just graduated from the police academy within six months when I had my very own sighting, and I still have yet to report it to my superiors. I was still in town on an early evening, on my way to meet up with some friend. I was stopped at a red light as the orange and yellow of the sun began to vanish behind the line of trees on the horizon. I noticed out of my driver's side window this large creature coming up alongside me. It looked like it had just crawled down from the hills and seemed to be trying to cross or travel as we both reached this intersection. It started watching me inside my car as I drove away and stayed next to me for at least a few miles before its size made it disappear into the darkening sky. The best way that I know how to describe it is that it looked like a half-gargoyle, half-human with black leathery skin, a long tail with the shape of a whip and a kind of spade shape at the end. It appeared to have horns and sharp claws, but still looked very human in nature, wearing nothing more than what appeared to be a loincloth or possibly just a flap of black skin that was revealed when it crouched down. As you can imagine, I drove home in complete shock and disbelief, but could do nothing to get the image out of my head. This thing flew about 30 to 50 feet above the ground the entire time, completely visible to anybody in eyesight. What made things worse was that there was not another person around anywhere for miles, which meant I could not get an explanation from anybody. This thing seemed to have been watching me as if it knew what I was thinking and where I was going. Since this encounter, many strange events have occurred, keeping me away from the location where I saw it years ago, including hearing things outside my window and seeing very bizarre things out in the woods. I tried to pick up the trail again after moving, but after a couple of days, things started appearing inside my house as well as knocking on my doors and windows. It's almost as if it has followed me completely. The only thing that I know is that these beings are truly evil and need to be stopped. I feel like they've crossed over into our dimension and are even more monstrous than before. When I first got onto Reddit, I was hesitant about telling people what happened to me at night, but I ended up deciding that this would be the best place because I could be anonymous and fully express what I experienced. This is not a joke or fake, nor am I looking for any kind of attention notoriety or fame. I don't want any upvotes, none of that. I truly hope that by writing this, someone somewhere will be able to help me, and I really need it. Thank you for your time, and thank you if you were able to read all of this. Oh, and one last thing I wanted to include. I don't think this has anything to do with demons or devils. I've seen a lot of people say this online, although it feels very similar. It is not something that appears in any religious text to my knowledge and certainly nothing that you would want to encounter up close and personal. I never expected my solo hunting trip in the secluded forests of Arizona to take such a terrifying turn. The idea was to hunt wild deer, but little did I know that I'd end up facing an unknown creature that seemed like something out of a nightmare. Venturing deep into the woods, I followed the path that led me further away from sunlight. The forest became dense and shadows enveloped everything around me. My instincts told me to turn back, but my determination pushed me forward as I pressed on, 
My senses heightened and I caught a glimpse of movement in the distance. My heart pounded in my chest as I focused my gaze. My eyes widened in disbelief and fear as I saw what I can only describe as a monstrous entity. It stood upright on its two hind legs, and its thin, emaciated frame sent chills down my spine. Its arms were disproportionately long, almost touching the ground, resembling a gorilla trying to conceal its true height. The creature's eerie gaze locked onto mine, and I could see its crooked spine and deformed face without any horns. Instead, it had neck hair that resembled a fake mane, and its skin appeared moonlight gray, reflecting an unsettling shine in its eyes. I instinctively raised my rifle, my hands trembling as I aimed at the grotesque figure. The adrenaline coursing through my veins was the only thing keeping me steady. With a deep breath, I pulled the trigger, the gunshot echoing through the forest. But to my shock and horror, the creature sensed the danger and managed to dodge the bullet with unnatural speed and agility. Before I could react, the creature rushed towards me with incredible force. It tackled me to the ground, and I felt an excruciating pain in my side as I hit a protruding rock. Struggling to get back on my feet, I watched helplessly as the creature disappeared into the dark depths of the forest. Injured and shaken, I managed to pull out my phone and call for help. The park rangers came to my rescue, finding me battered and bewildered. They asked what had attacked me, and without hesitation, I described the chilling encounter in detail. The rangers exchanged skeptical glances, and I could sense that they didn't believe me entirely. They knew these woods like the back of their hands and had never come across any creature fitting my description. Perhaps they thought my injuries had clouded my judgment or that I had seen a bear or some other wildlife. Regardless, they patched me up and took me back to safety. My mind kept replaying the horrifying image of that creature. I couldn't shake the feeling that there was more to this mysterious encounter than anyone was willing to accept. Four years ago, an unforgettable hunting trip took place, etched in my memory like a vivid painting. I was accompanied by my trusted companions, Uncle Jack, my brother Larry, and Frankie of Warm Springs. May he rest in peace. The season was perfect for elk hunting with October, November casting a beautiful blend of colors over the landscape. Our destination was the wilderness near Mount Hood a realm of nature's untamed majesty. We ventured off the beaten path, leaving the main road behind at the Bear Springs Ranger Station, and journeyed across the rugged ridges toward the McQuinn Strip, in addition of the Warm Springs Reservation. As we trekked through the dense forests and embraced the solitude of the wild, little did we know that an awe-inspiring and terrifying encounter awaited us. In the distance, around 800 yards away, we spotted an astonishing sight. Two big feet in a meadow. Our hearts pounded with both amazement and trepidation. The massive creatures had apparently taken down an elk and were feasting on its flesh, tearing off chunks with ease. It was a sight that defied belief. Mythical beings as real as the wilderness surrounding us. As we watched through our rifle scopes, captivated by the scene unfolding before our eyes, another Bigfoot emerged from the brush to join the group. Moments later, a fourth one appeared, 
smaller in stature, but still an impressive five feet in height. The big feet ranged from seven feet tall to the smaller one at five feet, their presence alone enough to send shivers down our spines. While we were in awe of these magnificent creatures, our primal instincts kicked in, and we felt a growing concern for our own safety. If these majestic beings could so effortlessly take down an elk, could we be their next target? The idea of being on their menu for dessert was enough to send a chill down our spines, and with that realization we chose to retreat. As we made our way back, Uncle Jack shared a story that added to the sense of awe and fear surrounding these mysterious beings. He recounted how a friend had witnessed Big Feet herding deer for the kill, illustrating their intelligence and cunning in securing a high-protein diet that sustained their impressive size, strength, agility, and speed. Our minds were swirling with questions and emotions as we hiked out of the wilderness. The encounter had left us both amazed and terrified, forever altering our perception of the untamed world around us. We had been privileged to glimpse these elusive giants of the forest, and yet the lingering fear of what they were capable of haunted our thoughts. Since that fateful day, we continued our hunting trips, but the memory of the big feet remained etched in our minds, a constant reminder that the wild had secrets beyond our understanding. My brother-in-law was driving from Suva to La Toka on Fiji around the back road. The night before, a young girl was seen walking along the road before she was murdered. My brother-in-law, thinking about this story as he drove the empty road early morning, saw a girl crying as she walked along the road. He stopped to offer help, but a big plume of fog blew over, and she vanished in it. Then his car started to smell like sweet, cheap children's perfume. He freaked out and sped off. He got about two kilometers down the road, well, out of the fog, and he saw her again, walking, crying. He turned around and went the opposite way around. So, my boyfriend and I were hiking on an island of off Tofino, British Columbia. This island is owned by Native Americans, and you pay their community to hike there, even though no one actually lives there. You take a 20-30 minute water taxi ride to the island, hike up it, and then call for the water taxi again when you're done. This hike is supposed to be around four, five hours round trip. We started at around 12 p.m., when we got to the island, we got super turned around. We ended up seeing this one lone cow or bull, not sure, that had giant horns. It was not happy to see us pass. That was weird. We walked by it and eventually found this desolate home. It was probably three stories high, with all of the windows smashed in, full of random crap surrounding it, like a broken swing set. We kept walking and found a broken-down truck that was clearly being scrapped for parts. Not one other human. At this point, we were pretty creeped out and aware we were lost, so we walked back and found the trailhead and set off in the right direction. However, the trail was not well-maintained at all, and we were concerned we were going to get lost. 
If you haven't been to Canada's rain coast, imagine the jungle, but not as hot. So many leaves and trees and vines and cobwebs overhead that it blocks out the sun sometimes. Tons of mud, trees broken down over the paths. Beautiful, but easy to get turned around in. We eventually realized we were on the right track, and we did run into some other hikers who passed us on the way up. We're feeling pretty good at this point and head down the mountain before the other hikers. Eventually, this hikers pass us, and we can't hear anyone around us. It is getting close to around 6 p.m., and the sun is setting. We took way too long. My boyfriend is going fast, and I am slowing him down. He keeps nagging me to hurry up. Suddenly, he stops and looks back at me and says, Did you hear that? I pause and listen. Nothing. I didn't hear anything. I tell him. He says it sounded like an animal or like a person breathing. I get the chills hearing that, but listen again and don't hear anything. I tell him he must be imagining it, and we keep going in silence for maybe another ten minutes. Again, he stops suddenly and says, Listen. I stop and listen, and yeah, I heard it. It's super heavy breathing from above us. We both look up and are scanning the literally thousands of trees above us. We can't see anything, but we can hear it, and it is not human. We look at each other, and I have never run faster in my life. I was like a bat out to hell, and my boyfriend could barely keep up with me. We didn't hear anything again for the rest of the hike, but we paused a few times to listen and looked behind us more times than we could have counted. Some of our friends think it might have been a Bigfoot or a Wendigo, but both of those options are still pretty terrifying. My grandfather was driving back from London late at night on a road that was heavily surrounded by woodland when he pulled over to relieve himself. Midstream through the quiet night, he could hear hurried footsteps in the distance coming from the forest. Quickly finishing up, he ran back to his car, all while the footfall was getting closer. Just after he had started to set off, a man burst from the forest and chased after the car as my grandfather sped away. My older sister is a through hiker and goes backpacking often. We grew up in Appalachia in a very remote area. Growing up poor, we spent a lot of time camping, and now that we're older, she lives closer to home and regularly goes camping with my parents. We've had our fair share of bear and wildcat encounters, but nothing like this has happened before. Today I called out of work with a stomach bug. I woke up from a nap, and my sister texted me asking if she could give me a call. I live about five hours away, so I immediately said yes, fearing it was an emergency. When I answered, I could hear her footsteps, very fast, and her hurried breath in the phone. She said that she was in a ridge taking photos of a cave system she found near a large rock formation. When she made it to a clearing, she heard a man call her name. It echoed through the woods. It was then that she reached out to me. While I was talking to her, I could hear my dad's voice in the background. She said that she was still an hour from her camp. When she said she was alone, I felt the iciest feeling down my neck. I asked her what the man's voice sounded like. She paused and said, It sounded like several voices at the same time, but the loudest sounded like Dad. I stayed with her on the phone. All the while hearing something that was trying to sound like my dad, 
He's a lifetime smoker and very tall, so he has a low, booming voice that I have always found comforting up until now. When she got to the campsite, I told her that I was hearing it the entire time and thought he was there with air with her. She laughed and thought I was trying to tease her. But once she believed me, we were both rightfully spooked after that. My dad is very much alive and well. I posted this to another subreddit and was told to go here. How she can protect herself while she's alone in her tent tonight. I told her to sleep in her car. We work in Hohenwald, Tennessee, and we're coming home from work, driving up a road called Natchez Trace a few hours ago, 1.30 a.m. Whatever it was, it was tall and fast as hell. I've never seen anything move that fast. It jumped completely over the road. The weirdest part was it stopped, and we could see it looking at us from the tree line. It had almost human-looking eyes, but bigger. It was standing, and we could see its eyes but it was definitely trying to stay out of sight. It didn't really look like what I would imagine a Bigfoot. Don't believe in Bigfoot anyway. Would look like maybe more slender, but it moved too quickly to get an accurate description, of course. Seems to be how it goes with strange sightings. It's extra strange because when I was a kid, my grandparents and I witnessed a white creature messing with their chicken coop. It was also tall and fast. Now we're sitting at home, freak the F out law. Anybody ever seen anything like that? Edit. I did some Googling and found the Alabama white thing folklore. Now I'm weirded out. Edit. Also, to add more info, it definitely seemed to be running on all fours. But it stood up. On two legs, I guess. Once in the trees. I'm six foot four, and I'm thinking it had to be about seven foot tall. So I don't typically believe this kind of stuff, but I had a very strange encounter a little while back that I was telling my co-worker about, and they insisted I saw a rake. I've been doing some research since I had no idea what it was, and it looks very similar to what I saw, except from what I've read, it's a fictional creature from a creepy pasta. Dice learned about that too, so I'm not sure what I saw. Anyway, I was driving home from work about a month or so ago and was heading down this typically busy side street in Douglas County, Colorado, called Havana. It's kind of close to the Centennial Airport in a business district surrounded by apartments. It was about 1.30 and uh, there wasn't a lot of traffic out, just a jeep in front of me. As I was driving around a bend in the road where Dry Creek turns into Havana, I saw in my peripheral this figure to my right by the sidewalk standing between two small trees held up by wire supports. The creature was standing kind of behind them. At first glance, I figured it was just a big slender dog, like a white greyhound or Great Dane that escaped and seemed to be standing and barking at traffic by the sidewalk. I was going about 45 miles per hour when I passed, and it was dark out. But noticed as I began to pass by that it appeared to have a humanoid-shaped head with black eyes, a bent-over hunched back, long, slender legs, and an unusually wide-stretched mouth like it was screaming or something. I thought to myself, yo, what up with that? 
So I slowed down quickly to look back, and in my mirror I saw the creature turn around and run off towards a fence or brick retaining wall on the other side of the sidewalk. But as it ran off, I saw how tall and slender the creature was. It seemed very pale, almost gray, with a kind of anorexic and bony appearance. It also moved strangely where its hand-leg joints were inverted and bent in the opposite direction from its front leg. At that point, I was seriously creeped out. The jeep in front of me also slowed down, so I could only assume they saw it too. We both continued driving as it was late, early, and couldn't stop in the middle of a busy road, but that situation really made my skin crawl. I kept checking my mirrors for the rest of the drive home and debating if I should call the non-emergency line to have an officer check it out, but I told myself they would think I was just an idiot. Now, every night when I take that road, I look around to see if I can spot it again. I really want to believe it was just a dog, but I can't stop thinking about how strange and quickly it moved with its backwards knees and how long, wide its mouth stretched. I haven't talked about this much except to some family and my co-worker because, quite frankly, it just sounds ridiculous. I'm just wondering if I actually saw, and if it's something I should even be talking about, or if I should continue to pretend I never saw anything and just move on with my life. The other night, my sister and I were riding to our friends in our golf cart. She was driving. I was on the passenger seat. As we neared a stretch of woods, I looked over to the woods. In my mind, I assumed it was a deer within 0.1 seconds. Yet this was no deer. I literally screamed out of fear without realizing. It's something on all fours that looked like a human on all fours, but wasn't, ran into the woods. This thing was white and looked like a human running on all fours, but much faster and not human, if that makes sense. Later that night, we were parked by our friends, and I believe something was watching us, as we kept hearing sticks snapping and cracking from the woods, and I felt weirded out. Well, once again, that's not the end. Today in my car, I drove by the woods and right in the exact spot where this creature began to run or crawl into the woods. There was a balloon floating there. WTFI, don't know if that can be a coincidence. I'm not entirely sure what the creature was. I've read people suggesting anywhere from a skinwalker to a crawler. This incident occurred during the winter of 2018. I'm a drawbridge operator located outside of a busy vacation town in Maryland's eastern shore on the Chesapeake Bay. During the summer, the bridge opened up quite a bit when a vessel was making its way either in from or out to the ocean. We tried not to disrupt the flow of traffic too much, so we would batch the request together and open the bridge every 20 minutes or so. There's a Coast Guard station near the bridge, and perimeter is heavily fenced off. Apparently, they took trespassing incidents seriously. The winter traffic was minimal, and the bridge might only open three or four times a day to accommodate the few commercial fishermen in the area. It was a very cold winter day in January when this incident took place. I just started my shift, 
I was on nights for the next two weeks. I was going over the previous operator's log notes. On the outbound log, I noticed that the big Coast Guard cutter, along with a bunch of their smaller boats and the two tugs that they had had come through the bridge, I was a little bit of a surprise, as it would take a few dozen people to man all of those craft, and it being winter that was quite unusual. There had been no May Day or distress calls broadcast, so I figured that the Coast Guard conducted some kind of a drill or exercise. Later into my shift, and for some unknown reason, I missed a first call over the radio. As soon as I realized it, I asked for them to repeat their message. It was the captain of that big Coast Guard cutter. I was told that the bridge needed to be opened in exactly 13 minutes, and then it would need to stay open until I was given directions to lower it. This wouldn't have been an issue since fewer than six cars had crossed the bridge all night, but military and law enforcement were entitled to passage through the canal as they needed it. They called in with the ATA, so when the time got close, I logged the communication and I opened the bridge. Looking out over the water, I could start to see the bow lights of a small fleet of ships. It would end up being six in total, including the cutter, two tugboats, and three other small craft. The smaller vessels were paced out at about 500 feet behind the cutter. Directly behind the cutter were the two tugboats almost side by side. The operator room was about 70 or 80 feet away from where the bridge opened, but there was a camera system which constantly recorded the area around and beneath the bridge. As the cutter passed beneath the bridge and passed one of the cameras, I could make out a few dozen people aboard the craft. I couldn't believe it at first, but about half of them were holding assault rifles. Then the tugboats came next. It was the middle of the night and water visibility here is poor, but I could just make out the thick tow ropes trailing into the water behind the tugs and attached to them was something unbelievably long. It was hard to tell, but whatever it was looked smooth with a greenish hue. I could see a scaly texture in just by how much time it took for the creature to pass by the camera. I guess that it was at least 200 feet long. I'm not even sure that I saw the end of it before what happened next. I'm not positive if it was because of the lights on the bridge or the underwater noise. Of the props bouncing off the nearby concrete, but the long thing started moving slowly. It was kind of swaying back and forth beneath the bridge. One of the guys on the tugboat started yelling out loud, and I could see the small craft was straining to maintain its straight path. The three smaller boats in the back started gunning in towards the tugs, kicking up tons of wake. The water started churning violently throughout the canal in an area a few hundred feet long. On camera, I could see that one of the tow cables from a tugboat snapped, and now that it was no longer restrained, the tug shot forward, slamming into one of the bridge pilings. I heard a quick round of pops, followed by another, and I ran over to the door of the office and pushed it open. From my vantage point, I could see the small boats in the rear of the convoy speeding up to the tugs, but giving the erupting water a wide berth. Suddenly, several of the guys started shooting at that long creature in the water. The other tug, now bearing the full burden, was getting dragged across the surface. At one or two points, it looked like it might even dip beneath the water. The cutter was trying hard to come around, but the bridge didn't give it any room. It was hard to tell how it happened. 
but somehow the line from the other tug snapped just as a massive snake. Like tail erupted out of the water near one of the smaller boats, slamming down on the edge of it. This caused it to tip. There was a minute of total chaos. A few of the crew were floating in the water. The gunshots stopped, but the shouts continued for at least a minute longer. One of the other boats went to pick up the floating crew of the tip boat, and the other craft fell back into the loose semi-formation. The convoy then headed in the direction of the Coast Guard station. The creature, or whatever it was, didn't resurface again. I dropped the bridge, and I just plopped into my seat at the desk. I was trying to figure out what had happened. A few minutes later, a black SUV drove over the bridge and stopped right in front of the operating room. Two men got out of the vehicle, and they walked right in without knocking. One was wearing a United States Coast Guard uniform and carrying an assault rifle. The other man was wearing a style of uniform that I didn't recognize. This man introduced himself as a United States Navy captain, name withheld. He told me to recount the events that I had just witnessed. So I did. He then asked a bunch of questions, like if I had recorded anything or contacted anybody. I told him no, but that the bridge utilized a camera system. He finished by telling me that I was relieved for the night and that I should get a call from my supervisor soon. That would confirm it. I didn't say anything else. I grabbed my stuff and I headed home. My supervisor did call me while I was driving. He sounded just as confused as me, but he told me that I had the next week off with double pay. He called back a few days later and he told me that a new position for a higher paying administrative job at another location had just opened and refusal wasn't an option. So here I am now working that new job. I don't know if I can get in trouble for repeating any of this, but I guess I will soon find out. I know it sounds like complete BS, but it really did happen. I live in Knightsville, South Carolina. The first incident happened on November 29, 2021, around 11, 30 p.m. I'm a single mom. I struggled to sleep that night with a severe migraine. I woke up from a dream and felt like there was something in my room. My daughter slept in my bed with me and I hid us both under a blanket. She stayed asleep the whole night, including during this visitation. I was under the blanket when I suddenly felt a finger pressed down on my forehead between my eyes. It wasn't a small finger. It was as if a large man pressed his finger between my eyes. I started to panic and reluctantly reached out from the blanket to grab my cell phone beside my bed and called my mom. I was really scared and needed to talk to someone. My mom answered the phone, but the call abruptly ended. When I peeked out of my blanket, I saw something in front of me. I could tell something was in front of me, but it looked like a mirage. I couldn't see through it, but I could see something was there. I started panicking even more. I told myself that I was seeing things and reached my hand out to prove there was nothing there. I was wrong, and I grabbed onto a thin arm. That really freaked me out, so I again dialed my mom, but the phone was dead and wouldn't turn itself on. It was plugged into the charger wire, so this made no sense at all. Suddenly I was back into a dream state and a character from a TV show that I enjoyed was standing in front of me, trying to calm me down. 
but I felt like this being was just appearing as something I liked. Then I fell asleep again and dreamed that my daughter and I were on a beach. I looked down into a tide pool on the beach and saw some red and blue tiger's eye stones, so I picked them up and put them in my pocket. When I woke up again, I checked my phone, and it had been charged, and the time was 4 a.m. My migraine was completely gone. The next day, I felt weird and lethargic for the entire day. I believed that I was traumatized, but it was not scary. I didn't feel threatened or hurt. It just frightened me to wake up from a dream and see what was happening. I'm not sure how to explain it. However, as soon as the finger touched my forehead, I saw in my mind's eye that it was a long gray finger. Can you explain what happened to me? I later had a dream that an alien gray had come into my bedroom, but it was brief and I'm positive that it was just a dream. My daughter now has her own bedroom. Recently, she has described a green wavy man visiting her at night. She remembers three separate visitations. I set up a video camera in her room, but on the nights when she experiences visits, the camera doesn't record anything. She says that she isn't frightened by the visitor, but I'm very concerned. My most beloved uncle committed S in 91. We were stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington, and had no phone, so the state police and a chaplain came and delivered the news. Had to move through military channels to pull my husband out of the field in Yakima. My mother had to pay bank to get us on Delta and home, Kentucky in time. We landed about an hour before the service, so you can imagine how exhausted we were. I hadn't really slept in three days. This man was my father. He was our patriarch. We muddled through the service and returned to his and my aunt's house. My husband was devastated and tore ass through a healthy amount of beam. Got my aunt sedated and in bed went outside to comfort my man. He's in the tree swing and I'm trying to soothe or drag his ass in cuz I am beyond wore out. Let me interject here that I have had a bizarre fascination slash fear of UFOs and aliens my whole life. My fam lived in the country way away from civilization. And there were nights I drove home in the middle of the night, leaving their house speeding to get to city lights. My cousin was a little prick who would wait until bedtime. I always got his room when I, I came and say, Hey, Marchioness, hope your friends don't come visit tonight. I ends. He thought my fear was hilarious. My uncle, on the other hand, was intrigued by my duality about the subject. Coming full circle here as I'm cajoling hubby, a UFO appears above the farmhouse. Not an army flare, an airliner, nor a Chinook, not fireworks. This thing was huge, pulsating, an odd orange and red glow. I foo, reeked the F out for a sec. Ran in and got smart-ass cousin who was young and as sober as I was. Hubby met us at the back door and we piled out into the yard. I felt the biggest sense of calm come over me, and oddly enough, cousin, who never believed and ridiculed, came unglued. It just hovered for like fifteen minutes and just gradually floated and dimmed out over the pastures until we could no longer see it. I believe my uncle came to say goodbye to me and help me allay my fears. My cousin has never yanked my chain again.
My name is Alex. I'd like to tell you a true story that happened to me at work. Back in 2013, I briefly worked in a furniture manufacturing warehouse for six months. We mass produced wall units that held your TV, VCR, and stereo all in one unit. Me and about 10 other people were hired to work the 4 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. shift to cut, drill, and package the particle board. The customer would then assemble the entertainment center at home. The person in charge of the shift, I forget his name, was a co-worker in his mid-twenties with long, light brown hair, about five foot eight inches tall, looked like he worked out with weights, was quiet, did his job well, was a nice guy. He kind of looked like Heath Ledger, the actor. About three months after working there, I came into work like any other day. At lunchtime, I was at the work, stationed by myself, eating my lunch, when the person in charge of the shift came up to me and asked if he could talk to me. For the next 15 minutes, I had the most profound experience of my life while he talked to me. This individual that doesn't know me anywhere, except work, started telling me things about myself with pinpoint accuracy. Things that nobody else but me could understand. How could he know things about me that I have experienced in the past that only I could understand? He was not cold reading me like a palm reader would. He said exact occurrences. It was a very strange situation. Lunchtime was over and we all returned back to work. For the next three months, he was there every day, working as usual, like nothing ever happened. After three months, there was a work shortage, and everybody from the evening shift got laid off. I never saw him again. I later moved from the East Coast to California. About a year ago, I met a guy at a get-together at a friend's house who I swear was the same guy. It was so weird. His name was Michael. I asked my friend about Michael, and he said that he knew him from his job. A few weeks later, I went to lunch with the same friend, and Michael was with him. Instantly, Michael started recalling things from my past. I asked him if we had ever met before, but he insisted that we hadn't. Recently, my friend told me that Michael had suddenly quit his job. When he tried to contact him, he was nowhere to be found. I wonder... Was Michael a doppelganger or the same guy from before? It's just so strange. I worked at a park one summer in college, more or less driving a golf cart around and tending to whatever up on the escarpment in the park. One morning we had to go install some shitty mesh fencing along the park perimeter on top of the escarpment. We're in this thickly wooded area that took us about 15 minutes to walk to from the nearest path. Randomly, we see this woman walking towards us from out of nowhere. As she comes closer, we can see she's pregnant. She's wearing yoga pants and a sweater, not exactly summer hiking apparel, so we walk up to her and ask her if she's lost. She says she isn't, that she's just hiking, and she keeps on walking. We kind of just said WTTF to each other and went back to putting the fence up. Then about an hour later, we hear a baby start crying. This is the middle of the woods on top of an escarpment on a hot July morning. There are no babies here. The crying stopped after about five minutes. I thought about going to check it out, but it was just too creepy.
We finish and get back to the portable or office and tell our boss what happens. She tells us that just a half hour ago a couple called security and reported running into a guy with blood all over his shirt coming down from the escarpment. That's really all that happened. A cop came and talked to the couple and we told him what we saw just in case. Never heard anything of it again. Was a strange day. Still get chills thinking about it. Hi. I believe my house is haunted. A few years back, I was getting a drink in the kitchen. From the corner where the basement was, I heard breathing. No one and nothing was there. I got my water and went upstairs. A few days later, again down for water, I see the TV on and joke that it should be turning the TV off to save power. I then hear the breathing again. I apologize and run upstairs. There was nothing else happening until yesterday and today. I had brought the ghost up at a party I was having in my house. The next night I saw a shadowy figure out of the corner of my eye. It disappeared when I looked over. I assume this is just the light playing tricks on me and go back to playing video games. I go to bed later and feel something rush over me. I look over and nothing's there. I kept sworn I saw something. The next morning I'm putting a fan in my window when I hear breathing behind me. I assume it's mine and hold my breath. Nope. Still. There. I look behind me. It stops. My dog isn't in the room. My cats are downstairs. The lizards don't breathe loud enough to be heard. I turn around and continue. It continues again. It stops after a little while. When we were teenagers backpacking, we found an old abandoned radio tower in the middle of the mountains, surrounded by grazing land far from any homes or farmsteads. There was an overgrown two-track forestry road and a few cows off maybe a one-fourth mile in the distance. No fences or gates. It was getting dark, so naturally, being asshole kids, we decided to break into it. Maybe camp there or something mostly just being troublemakers. Inside, we were immediately creeped the F out. There were ripped-up stuffed animals everywhere, porno mags scattered all over, trash, sex toy packaging, a hammer or axe, handled duct tape to a post, used rubber gloves, pieces of rope strewn about, all kinds of nasty shit. We promptly got the F out of there after a few minutes of poking around, and when we went back outside, it was basically full dark, and all those cows that were off in the distance were standing in and around the road, staring at us. It was creepy as F. We hiked all night by moonlight and flashlight to get the hell away from that place. Eventually finding a nice spot on some high ground as the sun was coming up, we slept a few hours and decided to cut the trip short and to head back out to the truck. Still had to spend another night to get back out because we were so far in and the terrain was so rugged. We were half expecting the truck to be vandalized or get kidnapped by some crazy deliverance rapist or something. It never stopped me from going back out, but it was a harsh realization that crazy messed up people are the biggest threat in the wilderness.
I was based for a summer near Jasper National Park, and I liked to hike on trails which continued on beyond the park boundary where hunting was legal in season. I knew that the hunting season was opening up soon, and that some of the species that could be hunted outside the park also spent time in the national park where they only met friendly humans. So they had little fear of humans. On one early morning hike, I happened upon a herd of bighorn sheep just outside the national park boundary, so I thought I would try to inject a little fear of humans into them before the hunting season started. I shouted at the herd, ran toward them, waved my arms, and generally made an ass out of myself. Predictably, the sheep ran away, and just as I was congratulating myself about potentially saving these animals from a date with a bullet, I looked over to my right and stared directly at two hunters who had been sleeping under the stars, probably scouting in advance of the season, opening up, were now sitting bolt upright in their sleeping bags. I waved at them and quickly slunk away. I was the person that probably made these hunters not want to go back out into the woods. We were way the F out there in the middle of nowhere on BLM land in Colorado. We drove for an hour and a half down a forest service road and didn't see another soul. You could see headlights and hear cars from miles away from our campsite. It's not like somebody could have snuck up unnoticed. We had three cars with us and eight people. Just got done eating dinner cleaned up. It was getting dark, so we went back to the cars real quick before hitting our tents for the night. Somebody had slashed the front right tire on each of the three cars with what appeared to be a box cutter. Everyone thought it was a prank, but it became very apparent very quickly that it wasn't. All of us were beyond spooked, like panicking, scary to watch spooked. We all had spares, and one dude had a gun. So we threw on our donuts while that guy literally guarded us and got the hell out of there. I still have nightmares about it sometimes, just knowing there was some person. Probably watching us, maybe wanting to harm us, makes me feel physically ill to this day. Get it? Well, this blew up. To answer some questions... This was south of Gypsum, and it was 100% not private land. This was a marked forest service road in an area with dispersed camping I had visited several times before. There were three guys and five girls. The guys were all together cooking the whole time leading up to us, discovering the tires being slashed. These people are my best friends, and this would be wildly uncharacteristic of any of them. For those wondering how we didn't hear it, our cars were parked 30 yards away from our fire or tents, and a car coming down a road is easy to pick out from the sounds of nature. A gentle hissing gets lost in the wind. We heard it as soon as we started walking up. The tires were slashed on the exact same spot on the sidewall. It would be almost impossible for something on the road to puncture the tires like that. Also, there was no cell service. We called the cops and ranger as soon as we got back to the highway, told them exactly what F.S. road we were on, and gave them coordinates. But there isn't a lot for them to do. Cop told us it was good we were packing and to be careful out there. A tangential experience your story reminded me of from when I was younger. 
My buddies told me about an abandoned mansion in the area, and my curiosity got the best of me to go check it out. According to what they said, the neighbors were fond of calling the police whenever they saw someone unfamiliar checking the place out. So me, being the not genius I was, decided to go the back way through the woods, because the house was relatively close to a trail. I pulled the address of the allegedly abandoned mansion up on my phone and punched it into my GPS, then went off into the woods checking and basically stumbling off the trail to move myself closer to the mapped address. For the curious, this wasn't a serious trail where this could put one in danger. Meadowdale Beach Trail for the curious. Some might know the house I'm talking about if they're from my area, but hey... Anyway, partway through, I found my way to a strange paved back road in the middle of the woods. Never figured out what it was, didn't follow it. I'd come from one side, from off the trail, and on the other side was a steep hill. I thought I heard a car. I didn't, panicked, and climbed up the hill to hide. At the top, I spotted a group of about a dozen tents. This was about one. 2 p.m. in the afternoon, but a solid 30-plus minutes from the trail, with only what appeared to be a private road. I promptly crapped myself and slipped away before seeing anyone or waiting for them to see me, but did end up finding the mansion after all this, albeit on a different trip into the area. It was the night before Christmas Eve in 2000 or 2001. My dad and I were driving about 10 miles to a grocery store. I can't remember why we went to one that far away from home, as there were closer stores, but for some reason we were on the other side of town at this grocery store. We needed to buy some supplies for the next day as we were hosting Christmas Eve for our large extended family. When we were done, we loaded up the car and moved a little quicker than normal because it was starting to snow. At that time, we had a cheap car that was not ideal for snow travel, so we wanted to get home as quick and safely as possible. I checked the time and noted that it was just before 8 p.m. I remember that because I really wanted to get home, help my mom make cheesecakes. My dad thought he would be able to shave some time off the commute back home if he cut through the residential area behind the grocery store. So that is what we did. We began to navigate through the neighborhood. My dad had taken this way before, so he knew where he was going. We came to our turn and made a ride onto a street, and we were looking at Christmas lights and commenting on the really well-done decorations and the not-so-well-done decorations. Dad made a lift at the next street, and we saw the same decorations on the same houses. Dad even said out loud, didn't we already see that house? I agreed and even pointed out an ugly house that I remembered. It was really memorable. I can still remember it, actually. When we came to the end of that street, my dad knew he needed to make a lift. But last time, when we made a lift, we didn't end up where we wanted to be. So he made a right. Again, it was the same street. When we were sitting at the stop sign, looking ahead onto the street where we were going to go, it didn't look like the same street. But when we drove onto it, it changed. Just like before, we recognized the houses and Dad stopped the car. He looked at me and I looked at him. Somehow we were stuck on a loop. 
The snow was starting to accumulate, and Dad didn't want to put the car in reverse for fear that we'd slide or something. So we kept pushing forward. I have to mention that, as we are making numerous passes on the same street, a straight street, by the way, it wasn't a curved road. There are no tire tracks in the thin layer of new snow. If we were traveling the same road a minute ago, our tracks should have been there. Moving on, we passed all the same houses again and came to the same stop sign again. This time, Dad made a left like he had the first time. This time. This time, the street changed, and it was the street he wanted to be on. But we noticed that in the last few minutes, the snow had gotten really deep. Probably two or three inches in a matter of what we thought was ten minutes. I glanced at the time and noted that it was nine, fourteen. I said, Dad, it's after nine. He hit the brakes and looked at the clock. My dad was a Vietnam vet. He wasn't afraid of anything, and I never really saw him display anything other than calm stoicism. Except that night. That night I saw actual confusion and fear pass over his face. He stomped it down pretty quickly, but for a moment I saw it. He was freaked. We finally made it to all the familiar routes to get home. When we pulled into the driveway, we both just sat there for a minute. Then Dad said that was weird. We got out and brought our groceries in the house. For being in the trunk for over an hour, the frozen items were still frozen. When we walked in, my mom and brother both said, almost in unison, where you been? We didn't know. I'm emailing you to tell you about something that happened to my granddad. This is a story he told me around Christmas time last year that happened to him, and I was spooked out. I have known my granddad all my life and trust him more than most. He would never glamour up a story to make it sound better or anything like that. When he told me this, I believed it all happened how he, he said it did. I never took him as a man with strong beliefs about anything paranormal, and he was not religious like my gran, his wife. When he told me this, I noticed he was so normal and quiet. It happened in the late 60s. He moved down to Manchester from Glasgow, where he met my gran and got a job as a bus driver. One night, he worked a late shift into the early morning hours, operating a double-decker bus. There was just him driving and another man conducting he worked with. It was the early hours of the morning, and the bus route he was taking was from Manchester City Center straight to Rochdale Town Center, around eight or nine miles. As he drove this route, he stopped at a bus stop just outside Manchester Center and picked up two young boys around ten. He also said it was strange because they shouldn't be out at this time. He described them as odd, but... Anyway, he let them on, and they paid and climbed upstairs to the top deck. These two kids were the only two he picked up on the route from Manchester to Rochdale. My granddad arrived at the last stop in Rochdale and waited for these kids to get off. He waited and nothing. So the conductor walked upstairs to get them. They were departed. There was nobody up there. They checked everywhere under the seats, and there was no way they could have left. They would have had to walk past my granddad to exit the bus door. There were no broken windows, and you couldn't open them enough to jump out. They opened maybe around five centimeter at the top to allow air in, but that's it. 
My granddad was freaked out, but the conductor was totally freaked out. He refused to stay on the bus and finish the route back to Manchester bus station with my granddad. But the weird thing was, when they counted the money from the bus that day, the money that these two kids paid with wasn't there. It didn't add up, as if it was never there.